0: There are a number of things that we can do with every interaction with every single guest. We can find ways to personalize the experience, even during high volumes of business. We can acknowledge that we need to be even more enthusiastic than our guests. We we can anticipate guests' needs by recognizing that guests don't know what they don't know. So there's probably going to be a lot of questions that they should ask that they're not going to. We should answer the questions that the guests doesn't think to ask. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller, I am
1: passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement.
0: Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast.
1: Keep connecting with IAPA in 2024.
0: Join your colleagues and peers at the IAPA FEC Summit from January 21st to the 23rd in San Antonio, Texas.
1: Or... Plan to celebrate the industry's most significant achievements at the new IAPA Honors event held in conjunction with the IAPA North America Summit March 3rd through the 5th in
0: Las Vegas. We can't wait to see you there. Visit IAPA.org. That's I A A P A.org for more information. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I am. Well, I'm not going to steal your line, but. That's how I am. How are you? Wow. Well, I'm going to say my
1: line, uh, which is that I am fantastic, and we have some really exciting stuff to talk about today, but I have a question for you. Okay. Are you an avid reader? Would you consider yourself an avid reader of books or magazines or articles?
0: I like to think so. I I like to try. I like to make sure I can carve out some time for some good books i think even last year i set a goal for myself actually i've set this goal for myself for several years but accomplished it last year not this year in 2023 but in 2022 i read one book per month which i know is not too intense but 12 books spaced out over the course of the year i was pretty impressed with myself so that's what about that's you? really cool um you know,
1: I I used to not like to read books, um, but I've I've found a a genre of books that I like. Um, I really like uh, like mystery and legal thrillers. Mm. Um, so I find that that's a great way to kind of pass the time in the airport or on an airplane or you know things like that. Um, but I read them all on my phone. I read them all on a oh, okay. on, on the Kindle app. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but the reason I'm asking is because you're not just a reader of books. But you are also an author of a very cool book that it's coming out probably, I think, the day that this goes live, December 5th, which is The Hospitality Mentality. And I'm always curious to ask authors if they are also readers of books, because I find that when you can when you can read well you can read when you do read right i think it makes you a better author and i that's what i've found is the more i find that i'm reading different articles or books no matter what the genre i feel like it makes me a better author so i'd love to dive in and talk to you about authorship today not necessarily readership
0: love it yeah i am i'm joining the published authors club and you've been in for for now i think a little over a decade i think at the at the time of this recording was it 20 yeah your first book came out 2013 the yes the myth of employee burnout i can't believe it's been a decade holy crap happy 10 year anniversary to the myth of employee <laughs> wow. burnout yeah yeah we got you to say crap That's pretty impressive. <laughs> i'm not even gonna edit that out um <laughs> but anyway. I, I like what you said of of being an avid reader helps or at least like a reader of books makes you a better author because if you're going to write a book, you should write a book that you would want to read yourself. And that is one thing that I definitely thought about while I was writing the book. And there were, there were a lot of things I changed and deleted and modified and added in of just thinking, is this book enjoyable to read? And that was, that was my goal. Yeah. In addition to getting some insights, some education out of it.
1: Absolutely. And I think when I was writing my books, I This may be a different way to say exactly what you just said, but I, I wanted to read, I wanted to write it the way I would read it, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people give me feedback that, hey, it was a quick read, it was easy to understand, it was very practical. And I'm like, well, that's what I would want to read. You know, so I think that kind of feeds into that that whole writing process. But enough about the the kind of the, the process. Although we'll get more into that as well. But let's talk specifically about your book, the Hospitality Mentality. I know that uh, we have talked about you writing a book for I think a few years. That was one of your your BHAGs a number of years ago. Um, so talk to us about why now? Why did you write the book? Why now? And why on this specific specific topic?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think for those who are uh, avid fans of this podcast, if you remember the resolutionary episode that was, was it 20, I don't know if it was 2018 or 2019. It was one of those when I said, my BHAG, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to take all the things that I've been consulting on, but also studying and researching and learning and observing from the industry and compiling that into a book. So why now, well it's been in the works for a few years actually honestly the first drafts of it came out not came out but started about a decade ago when i literally just started opened up word and just started typing thankfully none of those early drafts made it to the final manuscript made it to made it to print so but i needed those to be able to get to the point that i have the published copy of the book uh why now why this topic so uh as as you know and as many people who uh, follow this podcast Now I'm passionate about the guest experience within the attractions industry and even the greater hospitality industry as a whole. So in addition to working with theme and amusement parks and water parks and zoos, museums, aquariums, and FECs, uh, I've also spent some time working with luxury hotels and resorts. So after I got my master's in hospitality, I, I was hired by a consulting firm. And even though I had only had experience working in theme parks at that point, I was immersed into the worlds of Ritz-Carlton and Four Seasons and Waldorf Astoria, learned a lot that can be applied in the attractions industry, as well as in other areas of hospitality and in a a lot of business settings, essentially. And over the last several years, as I've observed a number of, say, customer service consultants, speakers, other authors, people in this space, there tends to be a lot of uh, maybe repetition of a lot of messages, something like uh, "treat the customer with respect." Um, customer service is about being nice. Uh, Put yourself in the guest's shoes. Uh, you know, and of course, there's there's everyone's personal favorite, which is the customer is always right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you look at phrases like that, and, and it's it's not that I disagree with those because I I do, but they tend to echo off the walls so much that they've lost a lot of their meaning and organizations will put them into their culture as they're building their service standard and their operating procedures. Uh, But there's, there's better and maybe newer ways to actually look at these. So I felt that it was time to really change the way that we think about customer service. And a lot of the book ties in with some things that Maybe, maybe you've seen them before. You've probably definitely seen some of it before, particularly as we as as kind of the, the beginning of the book lays a foundation. Hopefully as the book goes on and more and more is layered into it, you find yourself saying, I hadn't thought of it that way, or we haven't been operating this way, or this is a new way of looking at uh, the way we've been working for, for so long and the way that we've been dealing with customer service. So one of the things that
1: I think is really interesting as you kind of lay out that foundation goes back to the title of the book, The Hospitality Mentality. And I've always felt like I had the mentality of someone who likes to give hospitality, right? And somebody who likes to inspire others to do the same. So can you talk about the fact that maybe not everybody's cut
0: out to work in the hospitality business? Well, that's definitely true. If if you're not a people person, <laughs> that's that's kind of foundational. It's kind of a, a table stakes entry into the into the game here. And the other piece of it too is that uh, you know working with people or wanting to provide hospitality is foundational. But there's so many more layers that go on top of it. So people who might think they are cut out for hospitality because they are simply nice, they are nice, good people, that does not necessarily create a fantastic guest experience. And, and I know that that might sound kind of contradictory, but I'll I'll give you an example. And this one's in the book. And it was a, a, a restaurant that I used to visit a lot that uh, it, it had great food, uh, prices were reasonable, had a, a great ambiance. Uh, and the people there, you could tell were genuinely Good people, but the service was actually terrible because they didn't have that hospitality mentality. There were a number of uh, of missteps in the experience so much that it became frustrating to visit, and eventually the the restaurant went out of business. I haven't seen their their numbers. I cannot I cannot say this aside from just being being a patron, being a guest of that restaurant many times that had they had more of that hospitality mentality, had there been not only people who were nice people and people who maybe kind of had the the desire to work with people, but that specific focus on the guest experience and that hospitality mentality, I I personally think the, the restaurant could still be in business, but because there were so many missteps in the guest experience that weren't observed or noticed by the nice people who were working there, it, it didn't, it it didn't create a good experience.
1: Well, so to me, that begs the question: then, who is this book for? Is it for the people working the front line that need the hospitality mentality, or is it for the leaders that probably need the hospitality mentality to serve or or provide hospitality to their team members so they can provide it to the guests?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question, and that is one that I asked myself throughout the entire process of writing the book. Uh, so much of what the book talks about goes into those service interactions that are oftentimes delivered by the frontline. The leaders, though, need to sustain that, and they need to enforce these types of practices. So I think it's very beneficial for you know for leadership to be able to, to say, okay, this is the mentality that we need to communicate with our staff. Uh, in the l- later chapters in the book, It talks more about things that are a little bit more at the organizational level that aren't necessarily in the service interactions, but things that go beyond customer service. And I'm putting that in air quotes because the first chapter talks about getting rid of the word customer. Getting rid of your customers actually is is, first get rid of your customers is is the title of chapter one. Uh, But what can be done at the organizational level to uh, make improvements based on guest feedback to be able to put systems in place that influence repeat visitation as well as positive word of mouth that the service interactions the frontline team are delivering, they go into that, but they're oftentimes uh, put in place at the organizational level. So who is the book for? Is it for frontline team members? Absolutely. Is it for leadership? Absolutely. Everyone in between? Yes. And then even beyond that, one of my goals as well was to write something that was... Uh for more than the hospitality industry or the attractions industry, and in, you know, in, in particular. Our, our industry, of course, is the attractions industry, but even thinking, what are some broader components that can be impacted uh or implemented into a wide range of businesses? And that was one thing I, I was wondering how that would actually come across. And I, I can only learn that through through feedback, right, of, of other people because I'm I'm so close to it. Is this something that can be categorized as a broad business book? The first person to give me feedback that she read the book, it was someone who got an early copy. She is a manager in a child support call center office. And she told me about how many things she's able to pull from the book to be able to implement into that operation. I don't know that business. I don't know that world. I just know that it's probably very, very far away from the hospitality industry, from the leisure industry, right? But seeing that uh, they're able to connect the dots and say we can implement that into our culture here, there was someone else who was having an issue with their homeowners association, and uh, and and said to me, I-, I wish they would have the hospitality mentality. As I'm, yes, I'm not, I'm not a guest. I'm a homeowner within their association. It's the same exact thing. It's the same exact mindset that needs to be applied. Um, other people uh, from from a wide range of industries uh thankfully have have said to me that uh that it applies across across a number of different verticals. But in you know, in, in total, who's gonna who's gonna gain the most immediate value from it? Those who are listening to this podcast.
1: <laughs> and probably those who already have a little bit of that hospitality mentality. So as you're saying they may see some things in the book they're like oh i've kind of heard of that but i've never thought of it this way right you're putting a maybe a different frame around some of the things that are maybe tried and true in the in the hospitality industry but you're putting a different spin on it and you know that really leads me to the question about this concept of the mentality you've used the phrase people person uh, already you you've talked about mindset right um and again when you think about the people who it the, the service just exudes from them. You can tell it's part of their being. So maybe this is a two-part question to define the mentality part of hospitality mentality, but also can this be taught? Is this something that if somebody comes in and they're just not a people person, are there things that you talk about in the book that could inspire them or um, you know, relate to them and say, You know, you are the leader of the homeowners association. You know you sh- even though you may not be a people person, here's how you should treat people.
0: I'll answer the second question first. <laughs> yes, it can be taught, but it also requires the desire even if you say I'm not a people person, the the desire to succeed in that role n- needs to be there, right? Mm-hmm. With that said, those who those who fully embrace it, I feel like if we're talking about uh, how this impacts the employee experience, uh people have told me that that this has helped with retention, this has decreased turnover, this has increased employee satisfaction because people gain this greater sense of fulfillment uh in delivering an experience for someone else. Total strangers, right? We don't we don't know these people. We are likely never going to see or hear from them again. But we're having some sort of impact on their lives, whether we are proactively going above and beyond and exceeding their expectation and providing some great wow moments that lead to lasting memories, or we're recovering from a service failure where something went wrong and we are now compensating from that and leaving them with a very positive experience of that recovery. The first part of, uh, or the first question you ask of what is the mentality uh, breaks down into three main components right here. And these are, these are, woven out throughout throughout the book so it doesn't say here they are one two three so it's really it's really baked in but the idea is that the mentality is we recognize that our guests don't need us that's true in our industry and i can make the case in in a number of other industries of of you are not needed per se and i i'm not going to go into into other industries because i know we could. Really get very granular and and specific with that but we can have side conversations about that another time your guests don't need you number one number two is that their alternative options are limitless so your competition has no boundaries you've got your direct competitors so those who probably uh, serve a similar demographic provide a similar type of experience they're in your similar geographic region you have your indirect competitors, so other ways that people are able to spend their time, their money, their resources, and then you have everything else. So if we're talking about a theme park per se, your direct competitors are, what are other theme parks or amusement parks or maybe water parks that are in your region? An indirect competitor could be, we're gonna go to the movies, we're gonna go bowling, we're gonna go to the beach, right? It's, doesn't, it's not a direct competitor, but it's still something else I can do with my time and money. Pull out into everything else, I'm going to sit at home and I am going to binge watch Succession on HBO Max, right? Or Max now, right? <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think of these streaming platforms as competitors, but Hey, That's a way I can occupy my time. It's a way I can spend my money. It's way more cost-effective. There's less friction. It's easier for me to do that than it is to get up, get in the car, go to a theme park, et cetera. So we need to take these factors into consideration. So one, your guests don't need you. Two, they can do anything else aside from visit you. And then three is that once we recognize those, the actions that we take show our guests that we know that, that we know they didn't need to do this today. They could have done anything else today. So I am going to treat you like I fully am aware and I fully appreciate that fact. With those first two, it's not, that's not groundbreaking new information. We don't, you know, that that, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody of why do guests visit a theme park? Why do guests visit a trampoline park, right? They don't need to, they're going because they want to. All those, you know, the, the competition side of it, the alternative options, maybe there's some some realization in there of like, oh, they could stay home and do nothing. It's not just our competitors that we compete against. But how often do we think about that? Because for the guest, they're waking up and today's a very special day. Today's a very unique experience, something that's very different, it's very out of ordinary. It's not part of our routine. We, you know, gather all our things together. We have the family, we load up the car, et cetera. We're driving down the road. Uh, we park and we go in and now we're ready for this what might be a once-in-a-lifetime experience maybe it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience but at the very least it's not usually an everyday experience from the employee standpoint though it is every day or it is at least every day that they work right they wake up and then go to work right it's it's our job where sometimes There are guests that are frustrating. Maybe it's too hot. Maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's perfect weather outside, but we're stuck inside and we can't even enjoy it, right? So we we deal with all those frustrations that go into a job, but the hospitality mentality is projecting over to the side of the guest and saying, I know you didn't need to be here today, even though I did. I know you could have done anything else today, even though I couldn't. And I'm going to treat you like I recognize those two things. So if I might bring this down to
1: something that I thought of in my small hospitality brain is that you're going to make this worth it for the guest. You're going to make all of that effort that they put forth to gather up the kids, put them in the car, buy a ticket, all the things that they had to do, and then get to your place wherever that is. Excuse me, because you have this mentality that they're not, you know, they don't need you and, and all those things you just talked about. I am now compelled, whether it's from inside or if you're inspired by another leader, I'm now compelled to make your experience worth it. Whether you say it's worth your time, it's worth the money that you spent. And we all know that uh, time can be more valuable than money in many cases. Um, but that 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 to me is what you're saying is that we're going to make it worth it. And then, of course, when they leave and they say, wow, I had a great time, that was totally worth it, totally worth the effort, totally worth my time, totally worth the, the money, then that, of course, is going to lead to repeat visitation and better reviews. But that all stems from the mentality of the people that are creating the experience, whether they're creating the experience before the guests even got there
0: or the people that are there um, face-to-face with the guest. And the way to make that worth it is realizing the only reason they're walking into our doors or through our gates or through our turnstiles, whatever it is, is because their expectation is so high that it exceeds all of those alternative options. Your direct Mm -hmm. competitors, your indirect competitors and everything else, which puts a lot of pressure on us, on, on the frontline staff, on the industry as a whole to make the experience exceed that extremely high expectation where the guest says that was worth it. And then, yes, that leads to that was that was so worth it that I can't wait to go back. And I'm going to tell everyone I know that they need to visit as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, to me, again, it reminds me of people who talk about a promise. You know, when you put something out there, uh, marketing-wise, you're making a promise, right? Or you're saying, come here, have a great time. This is our promise to you. And then, of course, we have to deliver on that. We have to fulfill that promise. But you talked about, you know... you. I don't think you put it in, in this order, but you 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 said the word exceeding and expectations in the same sentence. So I'm going to put them together um, because in the book, you take great care to not just talk about, hey, we're going to exceed expectations. We're going to go above and beyond. What does that mean? What does that look like? And that's maybe a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. You know, when people say, you know, we're talking about guest experience or even talking about employee experience, and we say we're going to go above and beyond. What does that mean? I don't know. Or <laughs> beyond I say, what? beyond <laughs> yes, going above and beyond what? I don't know, but we're going to go above and beyond. And when you really press, they kind of know what it looks like. They kind of know what it means, but that you you have to really get to that behavior of what they're looking for. So I'd love to hear your explanation of what that really means to exceed expectations or go above and beyond. So
0: part two of the book, there's three parts to the book. Actually, there's four, but the fourth one's a It's a bonus. Part two is called exceed the expectation. Part one is called set the expectation. So to answer your question, you say we want to go above and beyond. What are we going above and beyond of? <laughs> right? Yeah. So when you say uh, you're marketing, you're you're setting promises. That that gets down to the the core basic fundamentals. If your website says you open at ten o'clock a.m. And I show up at ten oh six. I fully expect that I'm going to be admitted entry. Right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not, that already falls below my expectation. That's a service failure, regardless of the reason. Even if it's if it's a power outage, if it's a I I, I once uh, went to an amusement park once, and the the park opened, and I got to a ride, and the ride uh, the ride a uh, uh, greeter at the front said, "We're not open yet because when we came in today, we didn't have a fire extinguisher." Okay, so you're not open for safety reasons. That still falls below my expectation. I I completely understand and appreciate, and you're making the right decision by delaying opening until you have the fire extinguisher, but from a guest experience standpoint, falls below. I digress a little bit. When we talk about going above and beyond, we must first know what it is that the guest expects, and we must then meet that expectation. I had a friend recently uh, say to me, we were we were talking about some certain organizations, uh, and, and she said, you need to earn the right to exceed expectations. So that starts with, you know, if, if your website says you open at 10 a.m., you open at 10, maybe you open at 9.58, right? That's going to exceed my expectation, right? <laughs> but we know that that 10 a.m. opening, or whatever the opening time is that's advertised, is at least met. You promise that it's going to be safe, clean, efficient, well-maintained, enjoyable, friendly. You look at those things right there and you say, okay, that is our guest experience checklist. That is our expectation checklist. We can't do anything more than that until we've checked the boxes on every single one of those in order to be able to Open for the day in order to be able to do business. Anything less than that is a service failure. If you walk into an attraction right at opening and there's an overflowing trash can, why was that trash can overflowing from the previous day? Right. Once all that is met, now we can say, what are we going to do to top the high expectation that we now know that at very minimum we can meet? And that's where the intangibles come in. Now, that's one thing that, that you and I have talked about in, in a previous episode of going above and beyond and exceeding expectation, that that happens in the things that the guest won't necessarily expect. They expect a friendly team member. If you're wearing a birthday button, maybe they might expect a high five. Doing anything more than that might actually exceed the expectation. There's a lot of things that we can do that are... um that are way beyond the expectation, maybe take some energy, take some resources to to be able to do it. But there are a number of things that we can do with every interaction with every single guest. We can find ways to personalize the experience even during high volumes of business. We can acknowledge that we need to be even more enthusiastic than our guests. We, We can anticipate guests' needs by recognizing that Guests don't know what they don't know. So there's probably gonna be a lot of questions that they should ask that they're not going to. We should answer the questions that the guest doesn't think to ask. So those three right there are ways that we can exceed expectations and go above and beyond that can be really operationalized and and put into your, your SOP and into your guest service training and your standard and say, this is what we do with every guest every single time or at least whenever possible. Mm -hmm. then we can extend beyond that. And we can say, what's going to surprise and delight the guest. What's going to do something that goes beyond our own job duties as, you know, as the team members, something that doesn't negatively impact any other guests experience. And a lot of these things that we can do that are really considered wow moments cost little or nothing to the business because there's so much that we have to offer that has such high value to the guest, but, Little, if if any, cost whatsoever to the business. And mm-hmm. when we think in those terms, now we can think, okay, how can we proactively create those wow moments that provides an experience, that exceeds expectations, that the guest says, wow, not only was that worth it, but that was pretty incredible. That was, that was way more than I had expected. And my expectation was very high. So I can't wait to come back. And I'm going to tell everyone else that they need to visit as well excellent
1: excellent well i i can't wait to go to your theme park that's going to have these great uh, experiences and going to blow my expectations out of the water um but i don't think we can talk about this concept without talking about technology because we know that technology is in some cases taking over the guest experience right where you might have had 10 team members that are working now you have a kiosk and two team members right Mm -hmm. and so Can there be a hospitality mentality that is built into the kiosk experience, but then also you've got fewer and fewer team members to provide a great experience to your guests, so now you're almost relying on that piece of equipment to make up for what those other team members would have would have brought to the table. So I'm curious kind of how we apply this this process and this mentality to the fact that the face of guest service and guest experience is, is changing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things here. Uh the first, and, and we'll use this example of kiosks, is that what technology has done has not only removed friction from the guest experience, but has taken a lot of the functional mechanics out of the job duties of the team members. So where historically there has always needed to be a one-to-one ratio of here's the team member, they've got their point of sale, they are serving one guest or one group of guests in front of them and then next in line, come on up. Something like kiosks can take the the cashier aspect of that team member, of that, of that guest service ambassador, I'm putting in air quotes, if you want to call yeah. them that, whatever it is. Now they are more of a, Concierge than they are a cashier, so they have all the proficiency to be able to anticipate guests' needs, and they don't have the uh, the technical uh, what are the, the job duties of swiping the credit card, right? And saying like this is how much it costs, sign here on this slip, you know, et cetera. You know, here's your tickets. Have have a good day. By taking those elements out. First of all, yes, we can operate with with fewer team members who are doing less of the mechanics. So in a in a kiosk, instead of going from that one to one ratio of here's the one employee with the one point of sale, the one guest. Now maybe here's one employee for every four kiosks and now they're kind of floating now they're kind of hovering right like maybe there's two because yeah maybe there's you know they're they're able to kind of balance back and forth and those who want to come up boom they know exactly what they want i have no questions i don't need help i don't need information let them plow through that transaction and get on in. offer your assistance if available. And then you've got those people who they have no idea what's going on. All right, I'm gonna swing over to them. I'm gonna help them out. I'm gonna offer my proficiency. And then they're still gonna take care of the transaction themselves because not needed for that anymore. So that's that's one aspect of it that they can provide a heightened level of service than they could in that previous cashier or kind of box office type of position. The other piece of it too, is that we should be using technology to further personalize the experience to know more about our guests and when we know more about our guests then we can we can use the people element of it to then create things that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to do if we didn't know certain information. So I mentioned birthdays, you know, we, we should know whenever a guest is celebrating a birthday, because hopefully that is tied to their ticket and their order. We should be able to know every guest's name. I think that there's a lot of things that hopefully we'll see in the future for the industry where we've got abilities to, to be able to offer more personalization beyond when they swipe their credit or they get they hand you your credit card and now you have their name, right? Or they scan their ticket and the name pops up on the screen. How do you personalize an experience in a ride, in a show, at a game? Well, without technology, you can just ask them. You can say, hey, my name's Josh. What's your name? And then use their name throughout conversation. Very low tech way of doing it. But when we think about technology that enhances the guest experience, what can we do to make that experience better. If this is their 10th visit, is that gonna pop up? Happy 10th visit, right? If this is their 10th year coming here, if this is their third generation of family members coming here, can we automatically know that? And then funnel that into our ability to create wow moments to now sustain this loyalty and be able to amplify the way that we're exceeding expectations. So one thing I will say is that,
1: I agree with you just in terms of both of those, those um, concepts in terms of the, the, the kiosk or the technology should really help uh, further the guest experience, but then also you, you have a higher level of, of functionality for that team member that doesn't have to do the transactional pieces. Um, Maybe this is a PSA to the people who make the kiosks. um, But some of them that I have, I have worked with actually detract from the guest experience, right? And sometimes they are not user-friendly, or sometimes you get to a point where you're stuck and there's there's no help, right? And there's yeah. no button to push, like talk to a person or somebody's coming over or things like that. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. I also think if if the hospitality mentality is not used to create the function of that uh, kiosk or that technology interaction, then you're probably going to have a lower guest experience or, or a less a less enhanced guest experience because you're creating a friction point where there didn't need to be one or there wasn't one in the past. So that was just, that's my my PSA, my-, uh,
0: my Yeah, if you're eliminating people altogether, then yeah, you're just setting yourself up for service failures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so
1: as we're kind of uh, coming into the break run here a little bit in this conversation, which has been fascinating, um, I'm curious if leaders are hearing this and they're saying, okay, I'm going to get Josh's book. Where would you say they should start if they really want to um, uh, not only get, get the hospitality mentality for themselves or just see if they have it, but also inspire their teams? Where would they start? Where would they start? Uh, well, first get
0: the book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I mentioned earlier, there's three parts to the book and then a, a secret bonus section. Uh, the The fourth section of the book, which is only available if you get through the entire book, uh, is called put the plan in place, and that's where it talks about the the philosophy of the hospitality mentality, the strategy of the hospitality mentality, the tactics of the hospitality mentality, and then measuring the impacts of that. Uh, so that the philosophy I kind of mentioned earlier of your guests don't need you and and you, they could do anything else aside from visit you. So the actions are going to show that we recognize that. The strategy is then all right. What are the organizational actions that we're going to take that allow us to let's say see our guests see the people who who visit us as guests versus customers Mm. and then what are the tactics we're going to do to do that so for instance if you check into a luxury hotel you hand them your id and credit card if they're following their their standards correctly they should hand that back to you with two hands rather than slide it across the counter that's a granular my favorite word tactic that they use that emphasizes the strategy that goes into this hospitality mentality philosophy and then by uh, by having many measurement tools in place largely through guest feedback and anyone who knows me knows that i'm very passionate about collecting and using guest feedback i uh, using that to make short term improvements so that has to do with recognizing and coaching the team members as well as long term improvements so aggregating Um, aggregating feedback and being able to pull back and saying, all right, how can we influence the perception of what people are saying are friction points? And that can open up a whole nother dialogue right there, but I'll leave it at that. It's chapter nine. I believe optimize your feedback loop actually is what it is that that actually covers that section. Uh, and then continuing to, to measure those through more guest feedback, through more observation, through recognition and, and coaching. and all has to do with, with talent development, you know, crossing over into the employee experience side of it. Uh, and then from there, you should naturally see the service scores rise, the reviews, you'll see more five-star reviews, more reviews in general, more of that feedback as well as all the things that come with that as well, from the employee satisfaction, enhancements to company culture, um, enhancements to the guest experience, and then more membership, annual pass, season pass sales, and more business that is generated from your previous guests instead of from marketing. I love
1: it. I love it. So if somebody wants to uh, find out more about how to get the hospitality mentality, where would you send them?
0: Well, as of the day that this episode comes out, December 5th, 2023, it is officially available uh, in bookstores. So it's, uh, it's available at, at, I'm not sure how many, uh, but please go to Barnes and Noble, go to Books A Million. Tell me if you see it, take a picture, post it online. You can definitely get it on Amazon as well. Uh, if you want a signed copy directly from me, go to the hospitalitymentality.com. That'll come straight from my personal inventory and I can make sure you get a copy. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you, Josh, for going over the hospitality mentality. Not that I haven't heard much about this, but I'm so excited for our our listeners to get to know it as well. And for everybody out there who's watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction
0: Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit
1: attractionpros.com.